0: Now, with me in studio is the retired Deputy Principal at Rice College and Director of the Burns Study Centre in Ennis. It is John Burns. John, very good morning to you.
1: Good morning, Alan. What a gorgeous morning out there.
0: Uh, is it? Has it Absolutely improved? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Sarcasm will get you everywhere. Absolutely. Uh, thanks for being with us, John, for our latest educational advice lot. And you've picked a really important and, ser- and has, has to be said, serious topic, but one uh, that I think is very uh, worth discussing, which is the uh, destructive effects of alcohol and drug abuse among secondary school students. Uh, what, what what, what, brought this to your mind when you were thinking of what you'd like to chat about on the show?
1: Well, I think we, we had started uh, kind of an overall topic on when school cannot happen. Mm. And, uh, <clears throat> and there, there are a number of reasons that w- when school can't happen for parents. And, you know, the last time we might have dealt with uh, parental separation and we looked at that and I know we have very little time and they're very heavy topics, but it's no harm to bring them up. Of course. Parents so. uh, and guardians... The, the bottom line is they want their child in school, they want their child in school as much as possible, <coughs> excuse me, and they want the child to learn and to get to the academic level that they can for the best of their ability. So the best place then in into the workplace, into apprenticeships or into college. So you know, basically the child gets the best chance in school and the, the time that runs from first year to leaving insert, even if you add transition year, is in teacher's eyes often a blink of an eye. In a student's eyes, it can be like a 25-year jail sentence. <coughs> Excuse me. But, um, you know, it is a short time to get it done. Um, and I, this is a, an issue that is right throughout the country. There are drugs in every parish in this country. Absolutely everywhere. The supply is not the issue the pricing of them is going down, down, down. The marketing, our, if you want to use our, our catching of younger people, is getting more sophisticated and children are getting hooked earlier. Uh, I looked at a, new, a number of surveys in relation to this for today. The one I liked the most, who had the clearest indicators and the clearest results was the Health Research Board, the National Drug and Alcohol Survey, carried out a fairly extensive survey between 2019 and 2020 among 15 to 25-year-olds. I would add now straight away that the drug issue does affect children way below the age of 15. Way below? Yes, there are students way below the age of 15 who have tried or who have been offered or who can get caught in either an alcohol trap or a drug trap or that sort of thing.
0: God, I feel like, maybe maybe I was blind to this when I was in, in secondary school, but, mm. you know, I mean, this is since time immemorial, John, you'd always have a certain number of students who'd be having, a, like, a crafty cigarette behind the, yes. the bike shed or whatever yeah. it was, um, and maybe, you know, some of them reaching a certain teenage, uh, maybe thir- 14 or maybe even 13 or whatever, You'd maybe at the weekend with your friends have a few drinks or whatever, yeah. but reaching the stage of alcohol and drug abuse, mm. and even at a, at a younger age... Like how's that? My impression would have been, oh well, you know, they're they're all vaping now instead of smoking, and yeah. it's not more serious than that. But clearly, yeah. it is.
1: Well, the vaping thing is a huge issue because uh, school managers and teachers can't be policemen. Mm. It's just not possible. Um, the idea of say rooting through lockers if you suspect somebody—that's really not an option either. Uh, um, it's it's difficult for and teachers can't go into the places where maybe vaping is happening. They can't go into bathrooms. You know, so this is a huge... Now, the vaping, the biggest issue with vaping is what is actually in the vape. You know, and stuff is being sold to students as a particular type of vape, which may have something else in it, which is slightly more addictive. And there, there's where you yeah. have a problem. You know, schools will do their utmost to keep their students healthy, but this is really one that they need. Uh, schools need a lot of help on.
0: This is, a, you know, it's interesting the point. You want to mention that um, it's almost like a transition that um, smoking is down, but. That they are moving, even maybe not so much to vapes, although uh, clearly a lot of students are, but uh, trans- moving from smoking to to using stimulants. So. Mm. I know how, how, not to sound naive, but how prevalent is it?
1: Well, I just look at the survey that, that I mentioned a moment ago. It, that was taken five thousand seven hundred sixty-two um, respondents. That's a very, very big yeah, study.
0: Comprehensive number. Yeah,
1: and it looked, it came up with uh, figures such as, I mean, seven percent of the respondents had said they had tried an illegal drug in the previous year. Now, that could be from alcohol right through to amphetamines, right through to cocaine, right through to cannabis, whatever it is. But seven percent is is a high number. Uh, there seems to be a drop in cannabis use but a steep rise in illegal stimulants. This is what seems to be doing the market now. Uh, cocaine, ecstasy and amphetamines in particular.
0: We know from previous discussions on this show, Don, uh, John, speaking with people <coughs> that cocaine use is, um, it, it, I don't want go as far as saying rife, but it's certainly, you know, it, it is very, very prevalent. Yeah. Um, how, you know, are, are students being Targeted uh, as, as, as soft targets by 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 drug dealers. Oh, absolutely. I
1: mean, I, I I would also say that in relation to cocaine, I'm not sure cocaine would be the biggest issue for secondary school students. Cocaine is certainly rampant through the 25 to 55 yeah. year age gap in professional groups. Uh, I think that the it's the ecstasy and amphetamines, and these are changing all the time and how they're supplied and how they're how they're taken, how they're ingested, they're taken, uh, they're constantly changing. Them. But of course, students will be targeted because if uh, let's say the age of 14 upwards. Uh, are of or out in town during the day? They will have money on them. They're they're open targets for someone who simply says, "Would you like to try this?" Mm-hmm. And the training that needs to go into training a child to say, "No, I would not. Thank you very much," and to walk away and report it—that's really the key to, to not getting them started. Is the key to keeping them healthy.
0: Yeah, and I mean, obviously, I don't want you to mention names or anything. But from your experience, many years uh, working within schools was this something you came across students who had a difficulty with alcohol or drug abuse and what are the sensitivities or approaches around helping them or you know what can a teacher or a vice principal or a principal do to to, to try and help them
1: two things have to happen here first of all you have to protect the health of the child that you suspect maybe going through an issue with alcohol or drugs. And I say suspect. Now, if I spent 25 or 26 years in the secondary system, to say I didn't see this would be uh, misleading.
0: Hmm.
1: But I must be very careful. Also, yeah. It would also be silly to think that there, there aren't drugs in schools in this country. It would be silly to think that there aren't, or there is such a thing as a completely drug-free school. Now, if there are, I'd love to know how they're actually doing that because that would be a template everyone could follow. But I must put this in perspective. The majority of students are not on drugs. The majority of students are not going drinking. The majority of students drink socially. So this is among a smaller cohort. So we don't want to call it alarm within the system. And schools are very fast to recognise when a child is struggling. Now, but the question you ask is, what would a vice principal do? What would a school do? A, you protect the health of the child. You get involved with the parents. You get the agencies within the town, like the the HSE agencies, Drink Aware, counselling services, CAMS involved as much as possible to to get a treatment programme for the student who you suspect is suffering. However, there is something else that I would like to bring up. If the student is not just using, but if the student is also supplying within the school, then you have to get rid of that student.
0: That, and I was going to ask you about that, that the impact that the, what their difficulties may be having on others, but uh, the, the, that goes beyond that. If they're actually actively selling, then you, you have a huge issue on your hands.
1: Well, you have, but you see, and the problem is the schools can't get rid of anyone for anything now. Expulsion is practically, it's not really an option. Um, and to get rid of sounds uh, very, very harsh. But if there is a student in a school and that student is supplying within the school, then you must neutralise that problem as soon as you possibly can to protect the others. Because a student in a school system who's gone into supply is going into supply for somebody else. And there's transactions going on. You don't know the type of people they're involved with and how many other students are they going to bring into that net. Now, of course, the supplier user needs help, but my focus would always be, okay, we need to remove you as much as possible, to get you into a therapy um, regimen. Mm -hmm. And when it's appropriate for you to come back, well, then you'd look at that. But um, proven supply within a school, no, that student has to be taken out of that system for the sake of everybody else's child. It's quite simple.
0: I can only imagine the difficulties and sensitivities that are involved then with uh, dealing with the parents or even informing them if they are oblivious to the fact that their child is either dealing with uh, an alcohol or drug abuse problem or uh, is, fits into the latter scenario where they're the one applying. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, in fairness to parents, uh, any parent that would have dealt with over the years for whatever issue, if there's a health issue, the parents will row in behind you. And do the best. Some parents can't. uh, It's often the reason why a young person's on drugs is because the home situation is domestically up in the air, and there could be drug use within the house. In that situation, you might not be getting a lot of help from parents, but you still can get help from statutory agencies because the schools are mandated to report these onto these agencies to make sure that uh, that the child gets help. So help is there. However, suggesting to a parent that their child might be not just using but supplying, that can be a very fraught. Argument,
0: because I'm sure there'd be an element of denial that of they it. don't want to believe it, but also the that it reflects badly on them. That a, you know, they ha, ha, that they were oblivious to it, mm-hmm. or that you know that, that I just imagine it's it be very difficult to process that.
1: Very difficult, yeah. But once you kind of break down that barrier and they realise that you're trying to help the child. You you may you may have some way, but it's also how you approach it and the language that you actually use, and, and languages such as he, he, we suspect he may be supplying, you know. And you're suspecting, you're not directly accusing yeah. now. A bit of cop on on the other side would realise they're trying to help here, so let's let's do something, hmm. you know. But I Alan I have seen, the brightest of children, to getting destroyed by, particularly drink alcohol. That's still the most prevalent one.
0: And that's the one we haven't addressed as much as the drugs. I mean, that's it's been entrenched, ingrained in our society mm-hmm. for as long as any of us can remember. Is it still the same old situation that it's just... You're exposed to family events at a young age. Not that you might be drinking yourself, but at least you're seeing the the normalisation of drinking and excessive or maybe even binge drinking.
1: Yeah, well, there's a couple of things. I think drinking as the biggest problem might be dropping down slightly because students are now more aware of their health and there is a massive movement, particularly among... uh uh, boys in secondary school for fitness, health in the gym. That seems to be a big thing, but those who want to use a stimulant have moved on from alcohol to amphetamines to get a, a quicker buzz. So mm-hmm. that could be the next issue, and is the next issue. The problem with the whole drinking thing is that uh, in in Irish culture, it is linked to every single milestone, family event, and you know from communions right up along to deb's right up along mm-hmm. to going off after leaving to to lanzarote or wherever the hell students go, and they tend to overdo it. But I I remember, I remember looking at students who would have come in a first year and you'd know that you were dealing with a very bright individual, boy or girl, and maybe by transition year or, or third year or pre-leaving start, you can see that a, their health is going down and b that they really are struggling and that, they, that there, is a, there, is a, there is a substance abuse problem here. A student who is habitually using something like drink or drugs is not going to perform Anyway, to their ability because their body's under pressure, their mind is muddled, mm. and they may present in school on Monday in a situation where maybe they're not in the best shape. Now, it's rare enough, but it does happen.
0: Uh, in your experience, and there would be a presumption, I think, for people listening to this, that whether it's drink or drugs, it's more likely to be boys' pupils than, than girls that would be affected by this. Is that the case? Or, or would the number of girls even if they are in the minority surprise people.
1: No, I think you're quite, you're spot on there actually. The survey in 2019-2020 by the National Drug and Alcohol Survey states that boys are young men in particular are twice as as likely to start and an, uh, start using amphetamines than girls are. So okay. it, and it's a see there are changing trends but what I'm really worried about now is what's happening is this whole poly poly drug use. This is the latest thing and this is the thing that that from a medical point of view, you'd be concerned about because this is where a student uh, or adult is making, mixing alcohol with an amphetamine such as ecstasy and there's where your blood clots and your body temperature goes up and all the rest of that happens. That's an issue. You mm-hmm. see, I remember like some of the days I used to dread um, in my career as vice but I used to dread the morning after Deb's I used to dread that morning after because you you, nearly every year there was some sort of a car accident and someone got injured or worse. And it, when yeah. the investigations were done, it was there was nearly always drink involved and some fellow showing off, or the um, morning or the day when the leavers are finished those celebrations because, this might sound silly, but I don't think Irish teenagers have been taught how to drink if they wish to drink.
0: <laughs> Maybe in that like, kind of like where we use the stereotypical example of in France from a young age you know you're, you're taught it's ingrained in you to like have just like one glass of wine with your family at the yeah. dinner table or whatever and that that's sufficient
1: yeah And schools face another issue. When teachers work from their hearts to help their students, when teachers go in and they deliver some really good alcohol and drug prevention programs, students tend to switch off because it's the same voice and the same person. So they link that person to the subject. I think it's far, far more effective when the Department of Health allows schools to take on and to pay outside speakers, such as you know, people working in um, Drink Aware or something like that, yeah. to go in and deliver a program. And don't hold back. Do not hold back on the effects of this. Give the, give the information, give it directly, give it bluntly, and then let the students make up their own mind.
0: Okay, a really, really important topic to talk about. and. Uh open my eyes a little bit to certainly the level of, of drug abuse, uh, among not just among secondary school students, but as you mentioned earlier on, John, at the top of it, that even younger ages. Um, thanks as ever for being with us. If anyone ever has any education-related questions for John, um, or maybe a topic that you would like to suggest that maybe he might cover, do get in touch with us. It is 086 1800 964. But uh, for the moment, John Burns, thank you very much. We'll speak a to pleasure. you again soon.